Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. Meet me at verse 12. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. Glory to God. And it says here, So search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you, for it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. Now notice in this passage of scripture that unbelief can be hiding within you and unbelief can cause you to be unresponsive to the things of God. Now, in this entire series over the last four months, we've been talking about faith, how faith works. Faith is believing God, trusting his word. We know that faith pleases God. We know that faith is an act. You're going to have to act on what you believe you've heard from God. We understand faith is a conviction of a a God that cannot be seen and that we believe him and we trust him and we live our life the way he commands us to live our life through his word. And so we've been talking about faith. And over the last several weeks, I want to talk about unbelief, or we have been talking about unbelief, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it today and maybe next week as well. And maybe the Lord will tell us we can move on from faith, but we'll never move on from the theme of faith, but the topic necessarily of faith. We're going to stay on faith because faith is how we access an invisible God. Faith is how we exchange from this visible realm into the invisible realm and grab a hold of all the goodness that God has set aside for us. And so this verse tells us in Hebrews chapter 3 that unbelief can be lurking, unbelief is sneaky, unbelief can be hiding and cause you not to respond to the things of God. Unbelief can cause you to be unresponsive, can cause you to be disobedient could cause you to miss God. And so we need to locate and reveal and expose unbelief so that we can please God and be responsive to him. And one of the best passages of scripture, one of my favorite passages of scripture is found in Mark chapter nine. So turn there real quick. Mark chapter nine. Somebody shout, I believe. believe. Mark chapter nine and meet me at verse 14. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when he, talking about Jesus, came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when he saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Verse 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Look at verse 18. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. 
and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him in both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Verse 25, when Jesus saw the people, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you. Come out of him and enter him no more. In verse 26, we find out here. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him and became one as dead. So that many said he is dead. Verse 27, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. Now in this passage of scripture, I want you to discover and notice that we have a disappointed dad. We have defeated disciples, and we have a demon-possessed boy. Now, I want you to recognize Jesus is coming off of the mountain, and he sees the scribes and the Pharisees harassing the people. He sees how dejected they look in the eyes of the disciples. He sees a dad who is very disappointed, and this boy, the son, is demon-possessed. And I want you to notice something before we move on. I want you to notice how ruthless our enemy is. Our enemy is so ruthless, Satan, in that he will possess little children. The enemy is after your children. I want you to hear this because I want you to take responsibility and I want you to take some ownership of those that are in your care The Satan himself wants to annihilate, destroy, and possess our children. And I will not allow it. I don't know about you, but as for me in my house, I'm not going to allow Satan to take a hold of our children. Come on, somebody. Who am I talking to in here? I'm not allowing it. Satan will not take a hold of our children. And Satan himself, we can see it throughout scripture, he's always been after children. He's always been after the minds of children, even to the point of possessing kids. And this dad has to take some responsibility because somehow, some way, this demon was able to get inside of his son. And so what should you be doing as a parent, as a guardian, as a leader, you should be watching what comes into the eyes of your children and what goes into the ears of their children. Because the enemy comes in through the eye gate and through the ear gate. And so this dad has to take some responsibility, just like you as a mother or a father have to take responsibility for what is coming in your children. Don't let them go in their room and shut the door and you don't know what's going on in there. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about opinion. I'm talking about responsibility. 
Don't let them play all day long on video games or watching TV all day long. You don't know what's going on. I know you may be tired because you worked all day. I know you may be exhausted because you got other things to do. I know your children may be getting on your nerves, but don't allow them to do what they want to do in the room, up in the room for three, four, five hours at a time. And you don't know what's happening. Satan is there. Can y'all hear me? He's there lurking, trying to find a way to enter into our children, but I'm not going to allow it. Praise God. I'm not going to have it. Any child under my care, I am not allowing Satan to possess them. Come on, somebody. Anybody under True Life's Fellowship Church and call me their pastor, I'm not allowing Satan to possess our children to have our children, to change our generation. And stop looking for government to take care of your children. Stop looking for the school system to take care of your children. Stop looking at teachers to care for your children. You take care of your children. You grab a hold of them and you say, this is what you are allowed to do and this is what you are not allowed to do. I know y'all may get mad. I might get some letters. I might, some of y'all may leave the church over this. I don't care. We gotta, we gotta fight for our children because Satan wants our children. And you better recognize and realize when things are going on, you better be aware. You better be noticing what's happening in the schools. I need to know what's going on. I need to know what's happening. I need to know what's watching. I need to know who you hanging out with. Who's that you hanging out with? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. You better tell me who that is. Who you playing that video game with? Well, you know, and, and today we didn't do this in my day. You could play video game with people you don't even know. My day, you had to be sitting by somebody to play. Now you can find out who is that? Well, he say his name is Jim. Do you know Jim? No, you don't know Jim. You can't play with Jim. You only play with who you know and I know. Are you listening to me? Because Satan is after our children and sex predators want your little girls. And they'll, they'll be 40, 50-year-old men acting like they're 12. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. And you better protect your children because Satan wants them. This is how sex trafficking happens. These predators isolate children. They're not taking them from the well-kept family. They're isolating children. And they're snatching them away. Talking about when I was going to meet Johnny and, and Johnny was a grown man that snatched them up. Protect, say, I will. I will. Protect my children. Protect. Now, you said that very nice and soft, but I need there to be a little anger and a, and a little agitation of what's happening in the world. Say it again. I will. I will. Protect my children. Protect my children. Is, my mic, is my mic working there? Because I, I feel like I'm using too much. Is it working back here, Pierre? Hey, 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 hey. There we go. Hey, hey, hey. Can y'all hear me? Turn me up here. Turn me up. Turn me up. All right. Praise the Lord. So this father is disappointed. And he is thoroughly disappointed because he brought his son to Jesus or the disciples of Jesus. And his son has not been delivered. And so Jesus comes down, asks the scribes, what is going on? Why are you talking to my disciples? And, they, and the dad interrupts. He says, listen, I brought you my son. He's got a demon, and he is suicidal. 
this demon is suicidal. And I, may, and I need to add this. I hear the Lord saying this to me. I need to add, you need to watch what's going in your ears too and what's going in your eyes. Be mindful of what's going inside of you as well. What are you thinking about? Think about what you are thinking about. And so this dad is telling Jesus, man, my son is suicidal. He's trying to kill himself. He falls down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. And he's been doing this since he was a child. And the dad tells Jesus, if you can do anything, heal my son. Now, this sounds like a magnificent request. If you can do anything. Now, before Jesus tells the disciples, you are a faithless generation. And I'm going to tell you why he called them faithless in a moment. And Jesus turns to the dad and he says, if you can believe. Now notice the dad wanted to put all of the onus and responsibility on Jesus. Jesus, if you can do anything, I mean, please take care of my son. If you can do anything. And the dad, and Jesus says, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. This is not a matter of if I can do something. This is a matter of if you can believe. So there's onus and responsibility doesn't rely on my ability. It relies on your faith. If you can believe, then all things are possible if you can believe. Many times, here's the misconception that we have as saints of God, that if, if God you know, look how bad this situation is, God, and look how dire it is, and and I'm in pain, and I, I can't pay my bills, and my kids are acting crazy, and look at my relationship that I'm having, and look at what's going on, God, <laughs> and then we'll start crying, <laughs> God, if look at all the pain, I mean, if you would do something, and God is looking at you, saying, this is not about what I can do, this is about if you can believe. So the responsibility is not on the ability of Jesus. The responsibility is on you believing what you say you want to see come to pass. The responsibility is on you acting in faith about what you believe God can do in this situation. He says, if you can believe. Somebody say, I can believe. believe. Somebody say it again. I can believe. believe. One more time. I can believe. believe. Most of the time, God is waiting on you and I to believe before we see the manifestation of what's coming to pass. God is waiting on you to take a step of faith. God is waiting on you to release your words that are in line with his word. You are not waiting on God. Let me say again, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you to believe and faith is acting on what you believe you've heard from God. And so he's waiting on you to believe. And so Jesus tells us that if you can believe, it's conditional, if it's conditional, you can believe 
all things are possible. And I love the response of the father. I really love the response of the father because it was an honest response. He says, Lord, I believe. And then he says, help my unbelief. This was honesty. This was transparency. This was openness. And I love honesty and transparency. Let me tell you why. Stacey and I were talking to some pastors recently, and one of the things I said to this group of pastors is I said, have you noticed that when people talk to us, they normally don't tell us the truth? This is sad. When I talk to Christian folk, as your pastor, I normally don't get the truth. I get, I get what you want me to hear. I get kind of what someone else has done. I, 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 people hide stuff from me. They don't tell me the whole story. And I just, and then, you know, something just kind of pops up and that just happened and they didn't tell me anything. And it just left out tons of details. I get a lot of lying. I get a lot of lying. One particular guy, I'll give you an example. He was going to our church and, and he and his family and he was in, and COVID was going on. And he, he came to me and he said, I can't come back to church because of COVID. And I was like, well, the doors of the church are open. He said, well, I can't come back because of COVID. I said, well, you got to do what, you know, you got to do. I said, are you going to work? He said, yeah. I said, okay. Then I looked on Facebook. He was getting a massage. I said, okay. Then I looked and they were bowling. I said, oh, I said okay, okay. So they, they can't come back to church, but a massage, a strange person touching you is okay. And Going bowling's okay, but I can't come to church. And I was very confused. Like, well, I, I don't understand. I asked an unsaved friend of mine. I called him up and we got to talk. I said, man, I got something I just want to run by you. I, I just some, sometimes, you know, Christian folks, you know, hey, we so spiritual. I need a, I need a carnal-minded answer on this one, okay? I asked this unsaved dude. I said, man, let me tell you the situation. I said, what do you think? He goes, oh, man, I know exactly what's going on. I said, what? Because I don't. He said, he don't want to come to charge. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what it was. He, he's like, that's easy. He doesn't want to go to charge. And I thought, why did he just tell me, hey, I just don't want to go to church anymore. But he told me COVID was not allowing and, you know, they never came back. So he didn't want to, he didn't want to go. Just, just tell me, I, 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 don't, I don't want to come anymore. But I don't get a lot of honesty. And I'm excited that Jesus received honesty from this man. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And let me, let me define what the man actually said. He says, I believe that you can do this, but I am struggling with fear, with cares, with worry, and with doubt. Because what I see is my son rolling around on the ground, suicidal, jumping into the fire, foaming at the mouth. These are the things that I see. I believe what you're saying, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling with fear. I'm going to lose my son. I'm struggling with cares. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm struggling with doubt. It's been happening a long time since childhood, and nothing's changed. And I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
in 2021, the Lord spoke to me about our Exodus project. Many of you know our Exodus project. We are planning to exit this facility, believe in God for a new facility for us that could meet all the needs that this ministry has. And I thank God for the facility that we're in, but the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to start planning to exit. Well, when I heard the Lord say that, what I really heard the Lord say was ownership. That's what I heard the Lord say, ownership. I want you to begin to own, and I want you to begin to exit so that you can own. And I, I said, okay, well, when the Lord said that, prepared, believe me to exit. This is what he said, ownership, believe me to do this. This is what I heard. Devon, go find a new location and move the people out. That's what I heard. I didn't hear the Lord say, believe me for it. Even though he said it, I heard, Devon, go get it. So I couldn't sleep at night. I, I, I was struggling sleeping. I started breaking out in pimples. I started, I started having pain all in the back of my neck. Y'all know what I'm talking about, this back here? If you got pain back here, that means you stressed out. Okay, let me just let you know, you don't, need a, you don't need an ibuprofen. You need to get rid of the stress. Okay? And I started having all these pains. I started breaking out pimples. And Stacey's like, well, look at all these pimples on your face. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. She said, you stressed out. I was like, I am. I'm stressed out. Well, why am I stressed out? I'm stressed out because I'm trying to do something God said he would do. And I'm struggling with fear. How are we going to do this? I'm struggling with doubt. There's, listen, we don't have the cash in the natural to go buy a facility cash. And the banks won't loan us enough money to get what we need. So I'm struggling. How are we going to get this done? We don't have the cash. We don't, the banks won't give us the money to do it. Uh, how are we going to, Lord, how are we going to do it? And during that season, there were many churches getting kicked out of their facilities. Many churches had gotten kicked out because times were changing and, and landlords were doing different things. But thank God we've had favor the whole time and where we've been. And the Lord began to tell me, prepare. But I was dealing with unbelief. So here I am believing the word of God, and I'm struggling with unbelief. The, the Lord, maybe it's a financial issue. The Lord said, I'm going to take care of things. I'm going to take care of you financially. And you're at the red light. You pull out your phone and you pull out your bank information. Lord, I believe you're going to take care of me. You're going to supply all my need according to your riches and glory. And then you got the phone out looking at how much money in that bank. I know I'm talking to somebody in here. How much money? We got? Oh, Lord, it's getting down. I got a bill coming. Oh, gosh. Oh, the bill coming. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm going to have to get a fourth job to cover all of this. Unbelief. And anytime you're too worried about tomorrow, you are pulling the worries of tomorrow into today, and you can't carry the worries of tomorrow. Today's trouble is sufficient for today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. We can't bring worry of tomorrow into today. Somebody's going to have to trust God. Somebody say, I trust God. Somebody say, I believe God. Somebody say, I'm with God. We cannot be overly concerned about tomorrow. And this father was filled with anxiety. He was filled with doubt. He was filled with cares. And he was filled with fear. And he says, Lord, I believe. But at the very same time, 
I am struggling with unbelief. And I submit to you that it is very possible to believe and (laughs) have fear going on at the same time. To believe and have doubt occurring at the same time. To believe and have anxiety and cares occurring at the exact same time. It is possible to do both. Now, we've been taught you can't do both. I'm going to show you how it's possible to do both. Matter of fact, go to Mark chapter 5 and meet me at 30, verse 35. Mark chapter 5 and verse 35. Watch this. This is the story of Jairus. Jairus' daughter is sick. He went to go get Jesus. Jesus was going to come home, but Jesus got interrupted with the woman with the issue of blood in verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Now listen to what Jesus told him. This daughter he got news that your daughter's dead, but Jesus is on his on the way to the house to, to heal her. And at this point now, the resurrector from the dead. And the dad heard the bad news and immediately was filled with fear, anxiety, cares, doubt, and unbelief. I mean, immediately. But Jesus said something to him that is outstanding. Jesus said to him, Stop the fear and only believe. Notice Jesus didn't say to him, get more faith. You just need more faith. Notice Jesus didn't say to him, you don't have enough faith. Because if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain. He didn't say that. What did he tell him to do? You're doing two different things right now. You're believing and you're, <laughs> you're doubting. You're believing and you're in fear. You're believing and you're struggling with cares and concern. You're doing both simultaneously. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop the fear. That's what Jesus told him. Stop the fear. All I want you to do is believe. Are you listening to me today? So too often, God is telling us to do something and we're telling him why we can't do it. We're telling him the reasons why it can't happen. We're telling him all about the fear involved. And Jesus is saying, I want you to focus only on what you believe and not what you fear. I want you to get rid of the fear. And so when the Lord leads and guides me to do something, and every I always feel like when the Lord tells me to do something, I always feel like it's impossible. I mean, I really do like... I mean, Lord, you want me to walk away from my six-figure paying job to go into the ministry? I got things to take care of, and I got dreams and visions and goals, financial goals, and, and you want me to leave? It always feels impossible. What I had to do was completely stop the fear and only focus on what God said and believe him. So you say, well, that sounds great, Pastor, but how do I stop the fear? Man, that's a wonderful question. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. 
one of my favorite verses, and meet me at verse 18, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So listen to me now. Unbelief is fear. Unbelief is doubt. Now, we talked several weeks ago that unbelief is a choice and a decision as well. Thomas, remember, said, unless I see this and touch this, I will not believe. So he, he made a decision not to believe. But because unbelief can be lurking and hiding, I want to expose unbelief and show you that unbelief is fear. When you are struggling to believe what God is telling you to do, you are in fear. Sometimes we are in fear when we don't have the answers that we're looking for. We have problems and we need solutions and we're in fear that we're not going to get the solutions in time to rectify these problems. You're going to have to stay in faith in that and say, I believe I know what to do even when I don't know what to do. Somebody say that with me. I know what to do. Even when I don't know what to do. This is faith. If you stay in, I don't know what to do. 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 Guess what direction you're headed towards? A direction of, I clearly am lost and clueless, and I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. But if you get in faith and say, I know what to do, I know what to do. What are we going to do? I don't know, Stace. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but I know what to do. I know what to do because then light will come and more light will come. And then you'll find that when the light has been exposed, the answer has been sitting right there in the corner the entire time. You just didn't see it because your eyes of understanding were not enlightened. But when you release faith and say, you know what? I know what to do. I know what to do, man. I know what to do. You don't lie to somebody. You, you're talking to yourself. I know what to do. I know what to do. I, I, we know what to do. We, we're gonna, we, at the right time, we'll know what to do when we need to do it. I know what to do. You are now calling in the invisible realm solutions, answers, tapping into the Holy Spirit, and he's going to provide guidance for you. But if you do the opposite, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I just, I just hope so. And I'm so afraid. I'm so terrible. I'm scared. I don't know. I don't know if God's going to, I don't know. And guess what's going to happen? That's where you're going to head down that direction. But how many of you want to be in faith? Say, I'm in faith. And so when there is unbelief, which is fear, first John 4 18 tells us that there is no fear in love. That means that when you know how much you are loved by God, that love will cast out fear. And if I can interchange this word, unbelief. Perfect love. That word perfect means developed or mature or love that you are constructing. Perfect love will cast out flush out, expose, and get rid of unbelief. 
So when you are meditating on how much you are loved by God, when you're meditating and thinking about and declaring, I am loved by God, God loves me, my father loves me, my father loves me, he loves me, he loves me, oh, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. I wish y'all would help me with this. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. When you begin to meditate on his love, fear is going to be flushed out of your life. Unbelief will leave when you start developing how much you are loved because unbelief has torment. That verse tells us fear has torment. Unbelief has torment. And so that torment is mental suffering. Unbelief is attacking you mentally. It's bothering you mentally. It's causing you to have sleepless nights and aches and pains. Unbelief is destroying you. But the only way to get rid of it is not to get more faith. It's to flush out the unbelief with the love of God. And that verse, put it back on the screen if you guys don't mind. 1 John 4, 18. I love the second part. It says, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. What does that mean? That means if you are in fear, which we are saying the word unbelief, then you have not developed, you have not constructed, you have not matured the love that God has for you. So that means you got work to do. I'm going to have to work on how much God loves me. I'm going to have to develop it. I'm going to have to say it. I'm going to have to read the verses. I'm going to have to think about how much I am loved by God. This love will literally expel fear from your life. Unbelief will leave when you realize how much you are loved by God. When you develop this love, you'll start believing that God can get anything to you from anyone, anywhere, at any time. When you start developing this love, you'll start thinking about all of the promises of God and not considering what if it doesn't happen, which is the greatest unbelief, by the way, that God's promises will not come to pass in your life. That's the greatest fear. It's the greatest unbelief that his promises won't come to pass in your life. And so when you develop the love, he, I am love. And I am not just loved, I am so loved. And God is considering me. He's thinking about me. He has my name written in the palm of his hand. And when he looks at his hand, he sees my name. And and, and God loves me so that he knows every number of hairs that are on my head. And, And not only does he know how many hairs on my head, Scripture says that every hair on my head is actually numbered. So when I brush my hair and I see hair falling to seek, that hair has a number by God. Woo, come on, somebody. Are you listening to me? This is how intricately involved he is with you, how much he loves you, that he knows exactly how many hairs are on your head. But if you're like Don, they are zero. I know that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He loves you. Somebody say, he loves me. 
when God is telling you to do something, this is what faith is all about. You're going to have to, and you say, oh my gosh, I'm terrified. I, I don't want to take that step. I, I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't know how it's going to turn out. And it, it, the issue, unbelief's favorite question is how? How? That's unbelief's favorite question. But if you notice, God has no problem with how. God has never had a problem with how. So he's not asking you to figure out how. He's just asking you to believe him and to trust him and to depend on him. And the way you depend on him more is by receiving the love that he has for you. Matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, watch this, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor earth nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Watch this. Faith working through love. So unbelief is, is surrounding me. I've got to put faith to work. I'm struggling with doubt, concern, cares, how, when, where, why, if. I'm struggling with all of this. So what am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to put faith to work. And how do I put faith to work? I'm going to have to believe how much God loves me. I'm going to have to consider how much I am loved by God. I'm going to have to, you know, I could have done, I guess I could have grabbed another mic, huh? Nobody told me to grab another mic. I guess I could have grabbed another mic. Y'all didn't say, get another mic. But all right, I'm going to have to believe and receive how much I'm loved by God. I've been thinking about this all week long, thinking about how much God loves me. When you, when you consider how much, you're, how much you're loved by God, you're, you're not overly concerned about leaving the house as we prayed this morning and, and, and your kids leaving the house or going on trips. You're, you're not overly concerned because God loves me. And one of the first responses of love is protection. I mean, because we love our children, we are going to per- protect them. We are going to go after them. I, my little girl's age likes snakes. For some reason, she really likes snakes. And she likes big snakes too, Kurt. She likes snakes. And this, she had a snake around her shoulders for her birthday. She wanted a birthday party. She wanted a snake at her birthday party. So we got a snake, and there was a snake on the shoulders, and she loved it. And I thought, if that snake tried to go after her, I would have killed that snake in a heartbeat because I love my daughter. You would have saw supernatural strength come out of me. I'd have, I'd have ripped that snake in half. How many fathers know what I'm talking about? How many mothers know what I'm talking about? I'd have, I'd have beat that snake down. I, I, I'm telling you, that snake would have been obliterated. You wouldn't even recognize what that was. That would have been a little worm after you seen that. Why, why is that? Because I love my daughter. I'm going to grab this mic here real quick because my voice is getting tired. Are you there? Yay! Somebody just said, Pastor, grab another mic. All right, here we go. Because I love my daughter. And God feels the same way about you. One of the first, like I said, one of the first responses 
to love is protection. Don't be scared going around. He loves you. Don't even be afraid to do the wrong thing. Oh, I don't know what decision I make because I might make a wrong decision. When you know how much he loves, even your mistakes, God can change and turn it around for you. Glory to God. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.